0: Well, it's a privilege to be in the house of God today. Can you say amen to that? I want to welcome all of you joining us online as well. And uh, today I do not have a handout or outline for you, but I do encourage you to follow along with me in Scripture. We'll have these Scriptures also up uh, on the screen behind me here. I, uh, I want you, if you will, go ahead and open up to the book of Zechariah. I want us to look at chapter 2 and verse 8. I want to share today, I've titled this message Israel, and I want to share today about the nation. You're very aware of the nation Israel that is in the news today. I do want to say this, that there is a lot of prophecy in Scripture regarding Israel, but at its very basis, Israel is the name for the nation that descended from Abraham, who had a child named Isaac, who had a child named Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God, and God changed his name. And named him Israel. Now the name Israel or Israelite, if you open God's Word and begin to read it, you will find in the Old Testament more than 2,500 times that word will appear. Now if the name America had occurred that many times in the Bible would we not all be quite sure that we really couldn't fully understand the Bible unless we knew something about America? The same applies to Israel. You cannot fully understand God's Word unless you know something about Israel. And if you're confused about Israel, you're confused about the Bible. In the New Testament, the name Israel occurs 79 times, and I want to say this, it never ever describes the church. Let me say that again. The name Israel occurs 79 times in the New Testament, and never once is it a description of the church. The word Jew occurs over 84 times in the Old Testament and 122 times. In the New Testament. On the other hand, the word Christian occurs only three times in the New Testament. See, Pastor, why are you telling us all of this? Because that should cause us to pause and ask the question why? Why Israel? Well, I want you to read and see what God says in His Word through His prophet Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 8 about what He thinks of Israel. The Bible says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, we've read about Him, I've taught you about the Lord of hosts, the one who leads the armies of heaven, the one who's over the hosts of heaven, the angels. This is what he says, after glory, he has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. God views Israel like the pupil of his eye. I want to emphasize that Israel is a unique people. There is no one else on the earth like Israel. King David says this in First Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 21. He says, "In what one nation in the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for Himself as a people, to make you a name by great and terrible things or awesome deeds... In driving out nations from before your people, whom you redeemed out of Egypt. Right now, if you look at the nation Israel, you will find it surrounded by enemies. All around it. All around it. David is saying here, there is no other nation in whom God has set out to redeem as a nation from other nations. And this is an unchallengeable fact. It's there, it's unique, it's in Scripture. Then there is a very significant word I find recorded in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, and boy, I really want you to grab a hold of this one. And it says this, the Apostle John said, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. We're talking about the seals that come at the tribulation period, and there was no one to open the seals. And John was concerned, and yet he was told by one of the elders, don't weep, because there's someone who can do this and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, I am not here today to go into the details of the scroll this morning, but I just want to point out to you that title. Everybody say, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? It's Jesus. Revelation 5 was written many years after Jesus' death and resurrection, yet He is still called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And if you ever wondered where the word Jew came from, it's from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the Lion of that tribe. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Why am I mentioning this to you today? Because I want to point out to you that the identification of Jesus with the Jewish people is not temporary, it's eternal. Many years later in heaven, after His resurrection and ascension, Jesus is still being called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Not only was Jesus a Jew, Jesus is still a Jew. Can I get an amen? And we need to remember something. There is a lion up there in heaven, and he is a Jew, and one day that lion is going to roar and woe be unto the enemies of the Jewish people on the day that that lion begins to roar. And I will tell you, I would not want to be against him for anything at that moment. And one more thing, and I believe this is perhaps the most important statement about the Jewish people found in God's Word, and it's found in John 4 and verse 22, when Jesus is speaking to a woman who is a Samaritan, she is not a full Jew. She's part Jew, part Greek. She is a quote, half-breed. She is one whom the Jews look down on. Isn't that interesting? The Jews have been enslaved. The Jews themselves have been looked down upon, yet they themselves look down upon the Samaritans. But not Jesus. And when Jesus is speaking to this Samaritan woman at the well, he says this, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, and here it is. For salvation is from the Jews. And today, there are many who may be even Christians who look down upon the Jewish people because they do not necessarily accept Jesus as their Savior yet, and think, we're above them. Can I remind you that in the tree, the lineage of Jesus, these branches called Gentile are grafted in to the original. How many of you know what I'm talking about, grafting in? If you have a tree out in your yard, you have a lemon tree, and you, you, it's, it's sick and it needs some more, you graft in a limb that was not a part of it, that came from somewhere else and got put into it, bore the hole, put it in it, and grafted in so it can grow with it, the original is Jew. Salvation comes from the Jew. Five words, salvation is from the Jews. Where does salvation come from? No Jews, no salvation. Every spiritual blessing that every Christian has ever received is from the Jews. Without them, no patriarchs. Without them, no prophets. Without them, no scripture. Without them, no savior. And we need to remember that, brothers and sisters, and we need to conduct ourselves accordingly. What is happening in Israel is not about Palestine or the Palestinian people, and it is even bigger than Hamas, and it is even bigger than Israel. Plain and simple, this is about the hatred of God's people. These are God's chosen people, and Satan hates them. History proves it. They were taken into Egyptian slavery and held there for 430 years. A crazy man arose in the 30s and declared that they did not need to live and said they needed to be eradicated. I speak of Hitler. Travel to Israel right now is about 18 and a half hours by plane from Phoenix. However, hatred for Israel travels faster in a second through a comment or a post online. Right now in the United States of America, there is a rising, alarming arising of anti-Semitism that is raising up in our nation. Even within our universities where people who are called they're they're there to in order to learn and be let their knowledge increase. Can I call out to every one of you in the nation's universities, let your knowledge increase, not decrease. Right now, Jewish hate is up. 368% in the United States. When Israel was recently attacked, women were assaulted. Babies were beheaded and kidnapped to be used as a human shield and as a bargaining chip. And students on our college campuses are holding rallies in support of the very ones who did this. You say, Pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm not. This is before any kind of a policy. Because among the hostages are fellow Americans. There are also over 22 Americans so far confirmed dead and another 20 that are still missing. And all the while, we have colleges in America where there are people seeking a higher education, marching in step with a false narrative that Israel is an apartheid state. I don't think these people even understand what they're saying. Apartheid became well-known because of what happened in South Africa. Are you following me? Where the black population was treated differently then the white population, the white population was favored, and church, there is nothing of that kind going on in the land of Israel. In fact, Arab citizens of Israel have the same rights as the Jewish citizens. There are actually Arab people serving in Israel's highest legislative body, the Knesset, Arabs, Not just Jews, but also Arabs. In fact, 20% of all citizens in Israel are Arab. Why aren't we hearing these things? In contrast, there are no Jewish people living under Palestinian rule. So the people of Israel, they want to live in peace. Even when they've been attacked in battle and gained ground in the past, they have given up that land back because they want peace so desperately. Just look back through their history. They gave Gaza back to the Palestinian people, and those Palestinians elected a bloodthirsty terrorist organization, Hamas, to represent them. These are the facts. These are the truths. These are the things that people are not hearing. And it bothers me as a pastor to hear when people are truly being denigrated and a recipient of race, racial issues. So when you look at the enemies of Israel, like Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran, listen to me, who back these organizations, they are not looking at a two-state solution. The Palestinians, the Hamas, they don't want a two-state solution. They are looking for a final solution, just like Hitler. They don't want the Israelis there. You say, Pastor, what is your point today? My point today is back to Zechariah. If you touch the children of Israel, you touch the apple of his eye. When you go back to the book of Genesis and you find when God spoke to a man named Abraham and he called him out from his family and from his home, he said, I'm sending you to a nation who's, I will show you where you're going to go. And it was the promised land. Abraham and Sarah made a huge mistake. And they got weary in waiting. God promised them a promise. I'm going to bless you. And yet Sarah was, she couldn't have a baby. It's kind of interesting. Isaac had the same issue with his wife. Jacob had the same issue with Rachel. Church, I want to tell you something. When God gives you a promise, there is going to be a problem. There is going to be a situation you are going to have to go through, and Abraham and Sarah got weary in the waiting, and they made a human error by saying, hey, maybe it's this way that God wants to do something. Listen, church, when God does something, it's going to be beyond what you can ever, 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 ever do on your own. God can make the barren produce. God can make the wicked righteous. God can change a young man holding a bunch of people's coats who are picking up rocks and killing a disciple named Stephen, whose name is Saul, and he's holding their coats, and God says, I'm going to turn you into a Bible-writing machine. And he gave us most of the New Testament that we have in our Bibles today. He changed Saul into Paul. Who would have thought? Is God able to transform the heart of a terrorist? He did with him. You think Paul was a terrorist? Yeah, he was dragging people to jail. He was was dragging Christians to jail. Yeah, he was like a terrorist. He'd he'd just soon have them dead. Amen? That was Paul when he was Saul. Yet, Abraham and Sarah made a mistake, back to my original point, is that they made a mistake, and Sarah says, why don't you go to my my handmaid, Hagar, who's Egyptian, Abraham does, and they have a little boy, Hagar and Abraham. His name is Ishmael. Guess what? He has 12 kids too. There's 12 12 tribes of Israel. Israel, Jacob has 12. Well, so does Ishmael. And the conflict we see in the nation of Israel is between the descendants of Ishmael and In Israel. And it's all about land. But God settles the matter. He said, I give it to you, Abraham, and to your descendants. And He said this, He said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. When you have leaders of Iran saying their objective is to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, how do you negotiate with that mentality? When you have a nation such as China who has actually obliterated the name of Israel off their map, and you go online trying to find it, yet the little country of Luxembourg is there, what's up with that? But we don't hear these things. And there is a desire of the enemy to set the people of Israel as the bad guy. Israel is also accused of stealing the land they live in, but we know God gave that land to Israel. It is their land. In the book of Joshua, the tribes of Israel took possession of the land as an inheritance of God Himself, and you can find right now on a map, there is an Old Testament map that will show you the land that is theirs from the beginning. The word inheritance, if you look that word up in Scripture, you'll find it 50 times in the early chapters alone of Joshua. Reminding us that the Jewish people inherited their land. They did did not uh, win it as a spoil of battle, or they did not purchase it through a business transaction. They inherited that land by the one who made it. In other words, the Lord who owned the land gave it to them. Jewish hate is nothing new. It goes back centuries. Egypt Wanted to destroy the Jews when Pharaoh gave the order to murder the Jewish baby boys in Exodus chapter 1. Do you remember that, Pharaoh? Do you remember what happened to one of the ladies? And she said, I have a baby, but I'm not going to let him go like that. You remember what that little boy's name was? His name was Moses. He was put into a basket. He was put onto the Nile where there were alligators that could eat him. Or crocodiles, whatever they have there. Ancient Persia. When you read in Scripture, which is modern Iran, I might remind us, they wanted to eradicate the Jews through the wicked plot of Haman found in Esther chapter 3. Haman wanted to eradicate all of the people of Mordecai who were Jews, yet alone he did not realize that the queen named Esther was a Jew. Fast forward to the 1930s. Adolf Hitler had his final solution to destroy the Jewish people and ultimately murdered over 6 million of them in the Holocaust. But God intervened. Let me get real, 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 real close in Arizona. Surrounding this church is the largest Jewish population in the state. If I walk across the street, I'll meet a Jewish neighbor. When I drive home, I will pass a synagogue. If I go down to a local market beside the Habit burger restaurant, it's a Jewish owned store. You say, Pastor, but they're not followers of Jesus. They're God's people. Read the rest of the book. They're in prophecy. They're the 144,000, not Jehovah's Witnesses. Many will not make the rapture if they don't know Jesus. Nobody will. But God, it's about the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob, what was he renamed? Israel. It's the time of Israel's trouble. It's going to be the time when God begins to draw Israel back unto himself. And now we have Hamas committing murders and unthinkable atrocities. It's pure evil. But listen, church, God always intervenes. He raises up Moses to deliver the Jews from Pharaoh in Egypt. He raises up Queen Esther to save her fellow Jews from the plot to destroy them. During the Holocaust, walk with me on this, God even raised up the United States to get involved. After we got bombed at Pearl Harbor, we went to the Pacific, but we also went to the European front. And we helped bring down Hitler. And the Holocaust happened, contrary to some today of younger generation that don't even believe we did. How many of you believe World War II was real? How many of you believe there were Jewish people who were eliminated in concentration camps? Whose bodies were bulldozed into huge holes as a mass grave? You see, we look at those things, we don't want to think about those things, we don't want to walk about, look, you know, walk with all of that, but God used the United States to help bring down that Nazi regime and then raised up the Jews themselves to return to their homeland and they became a nation again in May 14th of 1948. And since then, one nation has consistently stood by them and it has been the United States of America. So why this hatred for the Jewish people? The answer is, Satan hates what God loves. And God loves and chose the Jewish people as his very own people. Why? God gives his own answer. Look at this in Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. And Dave, that might have been the translation. God says this, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you, Because you were more numerous than the other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, look at this, it's so simple. It was simply that the Lord loves you, and He was keeping the oath He had sworn to your ancestors, starting back with Abraham, that is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It's also important to remember this, and there is a teaching that goes on in some churches, and it's called this, replacement theology. This is what it is. It basically says that God is done with Israel, and that the church, believers in Jesus Christ, have taken Israel's place. In other words, they are no longer God's chosen people, the church is. But that goes contrary to Scripture because the Bible is very specific and says, you Gentiles, you're grafted in. I'm a Gentile. I've traced my genealogy. I don't find any Jewish blood. I'm a Gentile. I'm a five-foot, six-inch, hazel-eyed Gentile. The fact is, church, Israel has always been and always will be God's chosen people, we Christians have been grafted in, and the promises we have, we have because of Jewish people by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what's your point? Here's the point. Christians, if you name the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you should be supporting Israel. From the Jews came our Bible. From the Jews came our salvation. We owe them a great debt, and now we must pray for them as a nation and as a people. I'm going to leave you with two last scriptures, because what I'm asking you to do, we're actually commanded to do. But before I say that, I want to say this. There were many people who were silent in the 30s, late 30s, and 40s when an attack on the Jewish people was made by Hitler. They were silent. There were some Gentiles that were silent. However, there were some that weren't. Corrie Tin Boom was one. Corrie Tin Boom actually found herself in the same place they put the Jews because she stood up for the Jews. Church, we cannot be silent now. As Christians, we've got to stand up for our Jewish friends and for the nation of Israel because these are God's very own people. And again, God gave them this homeland that they have as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And they have every right. I'm going to say it from the pulpit. They have every right and they have every responsibility to defend themselves from any evil that comes upon them like a violent storm from hell itself. And I want to remind you of 9-11. Did we have the right to defend ourselves against terrorists? We are told in Psalm 122 and verse 6, look at this scripture, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. In other words, those who love Israel, those who love Jerusalem, those who love the God's people, may they prosper. But we got to Pray. We will do that as a believer in Jesus Christ, won't we? I pray that there is a great spiritual awakening that will happen and sweep the Holy Land, that many, many, many Jews and Palestinians will get caught up in the love of God. One last scripture I find that I want to share with you, and I want to just say this. There are sins that you can commit that are sins of commission. In other words, you do what God says not to do. We're familiar with those sins. But there is also sin that you can commit by omitting something. They're called sins of omission. And I will say this, it is a sin for me not to pray for Israel I'm going to give you a prophet that said the very same thing this is the last scripture that I want to leave you with hear what Samuel the last judge but great prophet said in 1 Samuel 12 23 he said moreover as for me Far be it from me that I should sin. Samuel, how are you going to do that? Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Lord, we lift up your people. We lift up the nation of Israel today. We do pray for the peace of Israel. We pray for the people of Israel. We pray for the leaders of Israel. Not, Lord, because they've made every decision correctly, not because they've lived completely without sin, but because they're your people. And we ask that You'd stand beside them. We pray that You'd send forth Michael, the great archangel, that You have placed over them and the armies of heaven, Lord, to watch over them and to guard them. We ask, Lord, for wisdom for our country's leaders, that we will walk in Your ways. Lord, You were able even to do Your will in the, the, the life of Jesus by, by Him dying on the cross, through the high priest who spoke under your anointing that one should die for the many. Do today what only you can do. You took Saul and turned him into Paul. So we pray today, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in the nation of Israel. And God, bring our nation to its knees. Bring us, Lord, to our knees in repentance in any way, Lord, where we do not support your people, may we bless Israel. May we bless the Jewish people because, Lord, we know you're the lion of the tribe of Judah. So I leave you today, church, with the blessing of Aaron. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you pray for their peace. And if you're in agreement, just say a big amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Next week, I have a few more things I'm going to say regarding Israel, but that is a overview. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday.